Jesus, we thank you, God, for this opportunity to be in your house. God, to draw close to you. We want you, God, to have your way in this place. And God, we want you to speak to our hearts and our lives tonight through your word. And God, we want to draw close to you. Give us your, your grace and your favor tonight as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Thank you. 
Let's look at Colossians chapter 3 tonight. We're going to look at Colossians 3, and then we'll also look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we are starting a brand new series. And for those of you that are, uh, you like series, this is going to be a good one. I feel like God uh, is moving us in this direction. How many of you will just be honest and you'll admit in the last month at some point? that you have had some issues with your mind. Like you were wondering if you were going to be able to hold it all together. Anybody? All right. Uh, and then there are those of you that you just, there are things that are going on and you can't explain them. You don't even know how to explain them. Um, this, is, this is a series for you. And uh, God is going to help us. We're going to get into the Word of God and we're going to look at some things uh, that are very important for us to understand. They're going to help us, empower us, and uh, equip us to, to do what we need to do. All right, Colossians chapter 3, verses 2 through 5, and we are starting this series uh, with this verse right here. Verse 2, set your mind. Everybody say, set your mind. On all the chaos and all the turmoil and everything going on on social media. That's not what the Scripture says. Uh, it says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Wherefore, put to death your members. <laughs> Nobody, no, we don't want to hear what? Put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And now if you would flip over or turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, and we're going to read that as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For we walk not in the or we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so tonight we are going to talk about strongholds. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, God, for your word. And God, we are so uh, thankful to know who you are, to be able to have your word and to uh, be able to apply it to our lives. I pray, God, that you would help me do a great job, that nobody would be offended tonight, but that everybody would be empowered. And God, that you would uh, anoint my mind and loose my tongue to speak your word. And God, we will give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 I don't know if you are like me, but 
Um, I have, uh, like I struggle with different things and I have to kind of stay in touch with what's going on. And so when I'm doing this and I see things that really bug me, I, I have to like kind of bring my thoughts into captivity. I have to, I have to get them back under control. But there's something that we have to be very careful of. If we let that control our mind, if we let that overtake our mind, then what begins to happen is we begin to look at the world in a different way and our perspective gets skewed. And so we don't have the proper perspective. And before we know it, uh, our mind is taken over with negativity, negative thoughts. Uh, we start to look at it. It's, a, it's an us versus them. And there's a great divide. And so we've got to keep our minds set on things above. Amen. I, I realize that there's murder and racism and injustice that's happening in our world. And I'm not saying that you turn a blind eye, but for God's sake, quit reposting it. Quit promoting it. Quit talking about it because it's not an us versus them. One step into this church and they will realize we are not racist here. Amen. One step into this church and they will realize that we have the love of God here. Amen. And I'm sorry, I, I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon. I'm not going to keep trumpeting these things that, you know, this is, this is the, what our world has come to. And it's like, if you don't say something, then, you know, you're shamed for it. Well, guess what? I don't need to say anything. My life says everything it needs to say. Amen. So live your life in a way that you don't need to say something every time something happens. Well, that was for free. All right. Spiritual warfare. We're going to talk a little bit about spiritual warfare because that has uh, plays a big part into our minds and what we're thinking, uh, how we're thinking. And, um, you know, just by repeating what somebody else is saying, somebody else's actions or phrases, uh, that does not help us. We must understand with our minds what we're doing and why we're doing it. We can't just say, well, you know, I watched this program the other day and it said to do this and repeat this and chant that. And No, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. We have to understand through God's word how to deal with the, the attacks on our mind. So uh, let's, let's talk about this tonight. There's three main weapons against the church that Satan uses, okay? Three main weapons. We've talked about this. We talked about the devil a little bit uh, recently. Uh, but the, the most obvious weapon is an active weapon. It's called sin. Now, there are interactive notes, so if you haven't got them, you can uh, do that by getting the e-bulletin. Uh, and all you have to do is text the word CONNECT to 502-200-8425, and boom, a link is sent to you. You can click the link, get the interactive notes. I encourage you to do that. But the first and the most obvious weapon is an active one called sin. Satan is known as the tempter. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3, and he is an expert with the weapon of sin. He has been using it for years. Sin will seek you out like a guided missile. Um, on a video game I used to play a long time ago, you got to be a heat-seeking missile, and you would just, and you could guide that missile like wherever you wanted it to go. And I can imagine that's how Satan does with sin in our life. He tries to attack us uh, through these things and he guides those missiles and to where they're going to do the most damage. And the intent of sin is to destroy you completely. But it starts with your mind. 
So that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna talk about. The second weapon that we want to talk about is a passive weapon. The first one's active, sin. The second one is passive, and it's called accusations. Accusations. It's set up like a secret trap for you to fall into. Satan is described as the accuser of the brethren, right? In Job and Zechariah and Revelation. If he has the courage, and we know that he does because the Scripture tells us, if he has the, the courage to accuse you before God, who knows all the facts, right? Then imagine what he is capable of doing to you while you try to deal with him alone. While you try to deal with him in the still of the night and he comes at you and he accuses you and he brings accusation against you and tries to mess with your mind. And so the, the, this weapon of accusations, we have to understand even though we are forgiven, he reminds us of every sin that we have ever committed. And even though Jesus said that He would never forsake us in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, Satan screams that we have been forsaken because we are too bad for God to love or we're too bad for God to use. And this is what Hebrews 13, 5, it says, For He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In the Amplified Version, it says, For He, God Himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any way or any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. That's pretty emphatic. Satan uses these accusations and he tries to generate anxiety that is strong enough so that we will come out from under the mighty hand of God in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. And that's why Peter admonishes us that we need to cast all our cares, right? Cast all our cares upon the Lord in verse 7. If you read this, look at verse 6 through 8. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. And then the Scripture tells us this, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Satan's objective is to paralyze us like an animal that has fallen into a trap. And we know that his weapon is successful because... Fear and despair take over our lives. The third weapon is the most dangerous because it lies dormant until it is activated. The third weapon tells us uh, and shows us that we have some issues that we need to deal with, but we don't even know that it's there. The third weapon is the most dangerous because it lies dormant until it's activated. Okay, the church in general, uh, we are aware basically of the first two weapons because the Bible teaches us and it shows us their effects, our spiritual death and paralysis, and they are visible motivators and they help us to get going. Okay, uh, they they understand we you know we need help. We can't do this by ourselves. And so uh, when we look at the first two, we've got accusations, we've got sin. Those are very obvious, right? But the third weapon is strongholds. 
It's like an unseen landmine that's waiting to detonate. We don't find out about it until we survey the destruction that it has wreaked upon our lives. Spiritual strongholds allow Satan to manipulate Christians. I'm going to go a little slow here because we need just to let this set, settle in. The damage that is done, a lot of times we don't realize until it's already over. We don't see it in the middle of the situation. And so, basically what happens is we implode. We self-destruct. And like the Laodiceans, we lose our witness because of strongholds in our minds. This is very consistent with Satan's treacherous character as a deceiver. We read about that in John 8, 44 in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. The mind is the access gate that Satan uses in order to get to your spirit. You wonder why you're struggling so much. You wonder why you, you just can't get through some things. Because somehow Satan has been allowed access to your mind. This is, uh, this is hard for us to grasp because we think, no, i got control of my mind. Let's, let's talk about it. The only hope that we have in battling strongholds or landmines is to discover them or to disarm them. It's kind of like there are, there are certain places in the world that they, used, they had wars, and because of the wars, there are still uh, unexploded landmines in the ground. And it would be, you know, walking through your spiritual life uh, without trying to ascertain what is below the surface would be just like you trying to walk across one of those fields where those landmines have been planted. Because that's, in effect, what we are doing spiritually a lot of times when we turn a blind eye to the fact that Satan tries to inadvertently get access into our minds. Ed Silvoso said, a spiritual stronghold is a mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable situations that we know are contrary to the will of God. I want you to think about that. Mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable situations we know are contrary to the will of God. The Bible, let's just, let's look at a couple of these, okay? The Bible teaches us, right, to forgive our enemies, okay? Matthew chapter 5, it's a must. We, we must forgive our enemies. If we are incapable of forgiving a particular person, guess what? You should suspect that there is a spiritual stronghold in your mind. Because we have to forgive, and if you can't do it, then there's a stronghold there. There's something that's keeping you from being as effective as you should be. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 18.22 that he who finds a spouse finds a good thing. And we're supposed to become one flesh according to Matthew 19.4-6. through 6. But if you are powerless to change your feelings toward your spouse and you feel hopeless, then you should suspect there might be a spiritual stronghold that's keeping you the Bible tells us that we must live holy lives. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 15 and 16. But if you are unable to shake that, that creeping influence of worldly pleasures and priorities, then you should suspect that there's probably a spiritual stronghold in your mind. 
It's kind of like this. So you have the Word of God, right? Really simple, really plain. Most of it just black and white. Not a lot of gray area. But anytime the will of God is clearly spelled out, but reality tells a different story in your life, and you feel powerless to change the reality perceived by your mind, and you accept defeat because the situation looks hopeless, you should suspect there's a stronghold, and that's the reason why you feel the way that you feel. How do human beings act? How do we act when there's a stronghold in our mind? This is, you know, you're going to start recognizing some of this very soon. Strongholds expose a severe inconsistency between what we say and what we believe. We cope with, with these strongholds by erecting a partition. Everybody say a partition. <clears throat> by erecting a partition which separates our mind into two compartments. 1 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 says, Every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. So on one side is the knowledge of God. On the other side is human speculation. The speculation, get it, <laughs> you got to understand this. It's a conclusion based on an assumption that cannot be proven. That's what speculation is. So on one side, you've got conclusion based on assumption that can't be proven. On the other side, you have the knowledge of God. So what do we do with this? We've got a fragmented mind. On one hand, we know what God's Word says. We know what we should do. On the other side, we've got, I don't know if it's going to take all that. And so it, this fragmentation in our mind, it makes us develop what James speaks about in James 1 verse 8 as a double mind or instability. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And when such believers are, they are convicted, they bail out. And this is how they bail out. They bail out because they use rationalization. This is a human uh, tool that we have found to defend ourselves. We rationalize everything. Anybody ever had a child that you started correcting and they started rationalizing? Yeah. Some of you, you hear like, oh yeah. Do you know why? Because it's human nature. We, we want to we explain why we did what we did and why it should be okay. One of my children, as they were learning to drive, uh, would always explain why they did what they did. And I said, I don't need an explanation. I've been driving longer than you. Do it the way I said. Didn't Still sometimes doesn't work. But the point is, as humans, we just want to rationalize. We want to just, you know, explain ourselves and tell why we do things the way that we do them. But when we think about the devastating effects that strongholds can have in our lives, um, you know, this is one of those things that we have to really think about. Think about this, okay? We're trying to believe God for a breakthrough in our church, but we can't even forgive a past hurt that we have. We, we want God to break through, break out, do great things, and we can't forgive somebody. What about trying to believe God for a miracle? <laughs> a miracle in your life, a miracle in your family, a miracle in your city, but you can't even enjoy your marriage. 
What about trying to believe God for the power to witness and, and, and reach people for Him, but we can't even find the power to live holy? It's a stronghold. It's an, it's an issue that we have. I could go on and on tonight about it. And Satan screams the whole time, don't you dare believe it. Look at your situation. Look where you are now. But when Christians know the will of God and they do otherwise, when we know what God wants us to do, but we don't do it, you know what Satan does? He blackmails us. See? That's why it's not happening. Because you are, you are a big sinner. You fail God all the time. That's why it's not going to happen, you big loser. Sound familiar? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Strongholds. So how do we, how do we deal with this? How do we tear down a stronghold or pull down a stronghold in our life? Strongholds have to be dealt with by tearing them down. They have to be ripped out of our lives. We don't repaint them and cover them up with wallpaper and just redecorate around them. Some people try that. It doesn't work. That's what they do at other churches. It's like, it's okay, you know, we know that you're working through this. And, but no. God says you got to tear this stuff down. You can't allow this stuff to coexist with the knowledge of God. You can't, you can't have a partition in your mind. It, it just doesn't work that way. You're unstable, he says, in all your ways. So there's four steps that, that are supposed to be taken if we want to pull down strongholds. And we, we talked about them recently, but let's revisit them in James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. So when we look at, at this Scripture here, it's very easy to see in James that the first thing we need to do in order to defeat a stronghold in our mind is what? We need to submit to God. We talked about this when we, when we talked about how we defeat the devil. This is the devil's, one of the devil's number one attacks is to put, place strongholds and landmines in our hearts. So the only way for us to deal with this is to submit to God. You determine the will of God by the word of God. God, what do you want me to do? Well, if his word has already been clear about it, he didn't change his mind. So you determine the will of God by the Word of God, and then you choose to believe it and to obey it. It's just that simple. I know it, I know it just sounds like, man, that's really way too simple. It really is just that simple. If the Word of God says it, I believe it, I need to obey it. That's it. I mean, no, no arguments. And that's submitting to God. So we tear down that partition that has allowed us to store two opposing truths in our mind. One that says maybe I don't need to, and the other one that says, I know I should. And we call the truth the truth in spite of our feelings. Because if we allow our feelings, they will pull us away. They will take us places that we, 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 we you know, we, oh, God, help me, what do I do? Well, your feelings brought you here. Your feelings pulled you away. And they will lie to you. So what do you do? You call the truth the truth even when your feelings don't, when, even when you're just not feeling it. And then you have to re-enter the battlefield. 
You're submitted to God. You have, you've, de- you've decided this is what the will of God is, right? And this is what I've got to do. And then you just, you just go for it. And number two, you've got to resist the devil. When you make up your mind to submit to God, you will face a devil. Soon as you say, I'm going to do the right thing. Woo, man, the devil's like, come on, let's see what you got. <laughs> the most effective way to resist the devil is to die to your old self and to put yourself out of his reach. When, you're, when, you know, when somebody's dead, you really can't mess with them anymore. Right? That's what the Scripture's talking about when it says that we can die out to ourself. Uh, in Christ, everything that we have is certain. It's proven. And in and, and worst case scenario, when, when you don't know what else to do and you've died to yourself and the, the Satan still keeps coming at you, use the Word of God. Just like Jesus did. Jesus said, hey, it is written, buddy. This is what the Word of God says. And you don't try to do it on your own. You use the Word of God to come against the devil. That's where Scripture meditation and memorization uh, is going to empower you to be able to resist the devil. Number three, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. We need to draw close to, to Jesus because our speculations have allowed us to drift away. Well, maybe it's not going to take all that. Maybe I can get by without. Maybe, uh, you know, I know that the Bible's good, and, and, but maybe God would allow, maybe this would be. A... No, you've got to cross that threshold of fear and rejection, knowing that you have probably in some way let him down, but you have to come back that if you, he says, if you will draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. And he makes that promise because once we get so far away, what happens in our mind is the devil convinces us that God won't take us back. Why why should he put up with you, you lousy sinner? Why would he love you? Because, you know, you've blown it big time. And God is like, no, 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 no. If you will draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. If you'll turn and you'll come to me, you'll, you'll submit to me, I, I will, I'll take you. I, I, I've got plenty of love. I've got pr- plenty of compassion and forgiveness to go around. And so we cross that threshold of fear and rejection, anxiety that the enemy puts on us through uh, our stronghold. And then number four, we cleanse our hands and purify our hearts. Tell your neighbor, say, cleanse your hands. Because it's what they're telling us everywhere right now. Wash your hands, cleanse your hands, and purify your hearts. Okay, so the world is telling us right now to cleanse our hands. They're not so worried about our hearts. But this is where the church needs to step up, right? Our hands refer to the outward dimension, but our hearts refer to the inward dimension. The visible symptom is easier to deal with than the inner root cause Maybe it's an immoral relationship. Maybe it's a habit that you've picked up that you realize is not. You, you need to deal with these things. Just what you're seeing on the outside, that's not necessarily the inner root of the problem. It's just a visible uh, symptom. And so a stronghold has, has only been destroyed when a double-minded person becomes a single-minded person. Are you all still awake out there? When we sin, we usually plead guilty because we know we are, but we reserve the right to say something on our own behalf. Yes, I messed up, but if you knew what I have had to deal with, if you, if you only knew my family history, if you, right? 
How many of you have talked to somebody and that's what they did? They knew, well, I know what I'm doing is not right, but... (laughs) That perpetuates a double mind. Instead, the Scripture says, what what did we read? That we should turn our laughter into mourning. We should turn our lightheartedness about our sin, right? And about our, our, our failures and about how we have disobeyed God. We should turn that lightheartedness about that into mourning. And we should be grieved about what we have done. Because only as we see the ugliest, uh, ugliness of our sin are we able to be drawn into God's holiness and fully repent. If you don't think what you did was all that bad, why do you need to change? I mean, if you can sin and get away with it, well, so everything's cool. (laughs) You know, God forgives. There's grace. For Christians, persistence is the opposite of instability. And here's what I mean. You've got to hammer away at your wall of arguments. Because your your human nature is producing arguments like it can produce a, a hundred a minute. It'll tell you all all these kind of reasons why you should be able to do what you want to do and nobody should be able to tell you anything. The Bible doesn't even necessarily have the final say in your life and you're like, you feel like you're going to lose your mind. Hammer away at that wall. Just decide, make up your mind. Use God's Word like a sledgehammer. Oh, I know that's what my mind is telling me. I know that's what my flesh is telling me. I know that's what my spirit is trying to tell me. But you know what? This is what the Word of God says. I won't, I won't submit to anything but the Word of God. I won't submit to my own thinking about this. I won't allow myself to think that things are okay if the Word of God says they're not okay. And you just hit those situations repeatedly. You're dealing with stuff. Just keep bringing the Word out. Just keep... Dealing with it every day, day in and day out. And sooner or later, you know what's going to happen? The first crack will appear. Your, your, your wall, your partition, your, your human reasoning will start to shatter. And as it does, it's, when, when you see that first crack, it's just a matter of time. Strongholds are going to come down. If you'll resist the devil, if you'll submit to God, amen? If you'll draw near to God and you'll cleanse your hand and purify your hearts and you'll make the Word of God the final say in your life, strongholds will come down. Strongholds can't, sur- they can't survive whenever Jesus Christ is honored and when God's Word is placed as the highest priority of your life. You can't have strongholds in your mind. And, and, and some people say, well, pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. I, I'm going to be honest with you. We all in this place, every one of us deals with strongholds. At one point or another, what we want, what we feel, what we think is best for us is going to come smack dab into confrontation with what the Word of God says. And when it does, we have a choice to make. We either justify ourselves and build a partition and say, well, I'm going to keep God's things over here and my things over there. Or we say, no, God, I want your way to be the highest way. I want to just submit to you. I want to allow you to have your way in my life. Would you stand with me? Today, we've got to make that decision to pull down strongholds in our life. If you're dealing with things in your mind right now that you know aren't right, uh, I want you just to submit those things to God and surrender those things to God. Realize that His Word should have the final say. So let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, 
We thank you, God, for your word. And we thank you for the ability that we have through your word to pull strongholds down in our life and to allow you, God, to do what only you can do. We thank you, God, for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you don't leave us defenseless. And God, we're not walking through this minefield by ourselves. But God, we pray that you would not only empower us through your word, but through those around us, God, that they would help us uh, to realize when strongholds have pervaded our mindset and that we would allow you, God, to help us set our mind on things above and set our mind on your word because your word is a firm foundation that will never pass away. And God, we will give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Hey, everyone. So the other day, I wanted to share some M&Ms with the boys. I opened up a brand new package, so they both got about 10 to 12 pieces each. After they ate on their M&Ms for just a few minutes, I asked them if I could have one. Now, I didn't want to do this initially. I wanted them to wait and I wanted them to eat a few pieces just to see how it would feel after knowing that they only had you know, five or six pieces left. So after I asked each one of them, can mommy have a piece? Surprisingly, they both said yes and they handed me one. Now don't let it fool you because it doesn't always happen. It was just a, you know, a spur of the moment thing and they were both okay with it. Usually at least one of them will say, no, this is mine or I only have one left or, but mommy, you know, you can have some later. So if you think about it, this is a lot like tithing and giving in general across the board. So when God gives to us, he provides for us through our job or through our income of any sort. Sometimes if we wait and if we don't give God what he, what he is owed initially, sometimes it's hard for us. It's hard for us to be left with just a small portion of that and then to say, okay, God, now this part is yours. So if you think of the scripture, Proverbs 3 and 9, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the fruitfulness of your crops. And notice the word fruitfulness. Not only does God first symbolize that he is number one in our lives, but it's also easier. It's easier to give to God when he is number one. And when you don't have to think, I only have this much left of what God has given me. If you give to God first, it will be easy to do everything else. So here are a few easy ways to give with no physical contact today in service by texting GIVE, G-I-V-E, to the phone number 502-200-8425. You can also give in person by dropping your envelope with your offering in the offering bowl before you leave. You can also text any amount to the number 84321, for example, 50 to 84321. 